0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, Sean Kennedy. With me on the line this week is Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers. Harrison, there was a Sixers game tonight, which we're going to talk about. Uh, the Sixers defeated the Thunder 100-87. to But, of course, the all-encompassing news of the week, both in Philadelphia and the NBA at large, was the deadline deal that went down Thursday afternoon between the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, Paul Millsap, don't want to leave him out, coming to Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks heading to Brooklyn. Harrison, um, first of all, how are you doing, and what was what was your initial reaction when the news hit the wire Thursday afternoon?
1: Yeah, first and foremost, thanks again for having me on. It's always great to talk Sixers with you. Um how how can i be anything but but not happy i mean james harden is a sixer which that's an incredible statement that i didn't think i would be saying a few months ago so that's been great the the trade also brought some nice weather to our area so that's great too <laughs> james um, harden are already helping out the city of the brotherly we love here exactly it's always raining in brooklyn apparently so <laughs> but um but but yeah like the that trade like there's so much to really just digest with it. Uh, first and foremost, the Sixers got their guy. They got James Harden, and that in itself speaks for itself. You know, you got a guy that's averaging 22, 10, and 8 in an off year in, in a situation that he didn't want to be in. So getting a guy like that is absolutely incredible.
0: It is, and, you know, kudos to Daryl Morey and the, the front office for being patient, uh, I think, 90% of people that were in Daryl's shoes would have traded Simmons well before the last day of the trade deadline, uh pro- maybe in the summer, maybe earlier in the season. Uh, and you know, maybe maybe a different deal might have worked out, but I don't think there was anything out there available that would have introduced this the star equity that James Harden brings to the table. So Daryl's a big believer in You get your stars and then you figure everything else out from there so he has the stars now and you know there's still some work to be done uh we're we're gonna flesh out everything about the trade a a little later we we are going to talk about tonight's game um but you know it hurts losing seth curry and andre drummond they were valuable rotation pieces so but but james harden's gonna spackle over a lot of problems that this team had and you just have to figure that Having he and uh, Joel Embiid playing in an MVP caliber, that's going to carry the day for you in the end. So from a talent perspective, this team is much better off than where they were uh, about 36 hours ago. And you, you just got to take it from there. So we're, we're going to talk about all things Harden and the trade later. But let, let us, let's let talk about tonight's game real quick. So 100-87 win over the Thunder. Not a great Sixers performance. They only shot 38 percent from the field. Joel Embiid did not shoot particularly well but still ended up with 25, 19 and 5 blocks because they're playing the Thunder and he's Joel Embiid and that's just what the man does. Uh Tyrese Maxey good performance, 24 points, five, um five boards, two assists. Uh and that was, you know, that was about it. Tobias had 17 but not the most efficient game. Tobias or uh, Matisse Seibel had uh, three steals, a couple couple big uh pick six type plays. Um, Harrison, Any anything else jump out at you when you're watching tonight's game? I know off, offline we we're talking about how it, it just seems like the Harden thing was kind of <laughs> clouding over everything for both, for both us and maybe the players.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, I'm very guilty of that. When I was watching that game, I was just like, man, like after Tyrese was scored a bucket, I would be thinking in my head, like, man, like Harden's going to be next to this guy. That's crazy. But, but yeah, like, uh, as you said, it, it's, a I guess, a decent win over a bad team. Joel had an off night, but it's crazy. Like, the standard that he's playing at right now is just ridiculous. Like, it was an off game, totally offensively. I felt like he was actually really good defensively, though. Uh, finished with, like, 25 points, 19 rebounds, uh, five blocks, I believe it was. Like, just a ridiculous stat line uh, apart from uh, the shooting efficiency and – it just speaks volumes to the player that he is that that's a bad quote unquote bad game from him. So that was great. Um, and and I think the only other thing worth touching on Sixers wise from that performance was Tyrese Maxey offensively. He was great. Uh, not really a super good playmaking game from him. Like you said, two assists is eh from your point guard. But obviously that won't matter as much when James Harden's here. He had some nice moments. So. Overall, it's a solid win uh, against the bad team. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to carry this too much going into the all-star break. You got the W. That's what matters. So reinforcements are on the way.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, one big one, definitely. Uh, yeah, it was, it's a win. It's a win and it, it's wins a win in this league, but you would have liked to see the bench kind of maintain that double-digit advantage in the fourth quarter. The Thunder got back into it a little and the starters had to go back in, especially with the back to back on Saturday uh, against Cleveland. It, it would have been nice to not have to throw Joel and company back out there through the last five minutes of the game, but it did allow him to get to 25 and keep that streak alive. So I guess <laughs> that was a silver lining. Um, yeah. Ty- Tyrese, I thought he, he wasn't really a focal point, but he had two really good flurries towards one at the end of the first half when it was kind of like a tie game and then suddenly he scored six six straight or something and so they went into the half up five i thought that was a, a really big turning point in the game and then he had a couple big plays at the end of the game uh, to kind of put it away and put it on ice and he he's just he's at a different speed than everyone else out there just his ability to crank it up and people get kind of lulled into this. Okay, Joel has the ball. He's dissecting. He's backing his man down, and that's one pace that the team plays at. And then for Tyrese to suddenly get the ball and he's going Mach One right down the lane, like it's it's just such a whiplash for the for the defense. Um, so having that alongside Harden and a- another big thing tonight was that Doc seemed to stagger Maxi and Embiid a lot more. And that's something we've not just us at Liberty Ballers, but everyone who watches the Sixers has been calling for. And especially with Harden now that Maxi and Harden are if Doc plays it right and staggers, those guys, you have one of them in the game at all times. So suddenly your backup point guard position isn't an issue anymore. So between that and um MB just continuing to play MVP caliber ball, I, I feel like they're they're kind of set. One thing I wanted to touch on additionally tonight's game was Paul Reed. So the backup center position is going to be a question mark for the immediate future with Andre Drummond out of town. Harrison, you're a big Bluecoats guy. You're right. Our, our Bluecoats uh, kind of check-ins from time to time for the site. So I, you, you probably have been paying attention to Paul Reed more than most of the season. Were, were you surprised that he was kind of the first big off the bench and got, and got as much run as he did? He played 13 minutes.
1: Yeah, I, I was pretty shocked to see Paul going up to the scores table just because we haven't really seen him, even when he has been with the Sixers. Um, obviously, Andre Drummond was there. Now he's not. Uh, but even when Andre or Joel wasn't available, he typically opted for, for Charles. And it, it was a bit of a surprise to see that tonight. But it's also a welcomed one because I'm, I'm a big Paul Reed fan. I... I really have liked the flashes that we've seen from him when he has gotten an actual opportunity more than like 20 minutes a game. Uh, the def- the defensive potential is there. Uh, tonight's game, it, it was a lot like an Andre Drummond impression in the form that one way or another, it was chaotic. There was moments where Paul Reed looked incredible. He registered a steal and a block in his first two minutes, if I'm not mistaken. That's great uh but but then right after that he he blows a wide open um reverse dunk and and, and fouls the guy.
0: Yeah, that was uh let's for for those that maybe didn't catch it. Uh, um you probably have seen the highlight by now. But Paul Reed makes a great defensive instinct play to jump the passing lane. He's got the fast break dunk all to himself. He decides to do like a double clutch reverse and it, it seemed like the thought crossed his mind a little too late, so he kind of like stumbled into it. He didn't get enough lift on his jump, and he hit like the underside of the rim on the opposite side going up for the reverse. So misses, and then in his uh, like panic to get the, the offensive rebound, lands on the Thunder. Was it was it Baisley, I think? I think it was, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it was Darius Baisley. and like kind of hurt Baisley. Basley was on the ground for a good like ninety seconds after the play, um, because Reed like steamrolled into him and crushed him into the ground because he was in such a panic state. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, and good work by the camera crew. They immediately cut the Doc Rivers on the sidelines, and. Doc didn't really, to his credit, express much emotion about it, but I could see going through his head, man. Like, Paul, I gave you this shot. I, you, it's, it's not. It's kind of well known that I don't have a ton of trust in you, and I give you a shot. And this, this is the kind of Tom you're doing out there. Like, what's going on, man? Um, but yeah, I, I agree. He had, he ended up with two steals, two blocks. He had four offensive rebounds. So uh, yeah, a good Andre Drummond facsimile, as as you mentioned, but. His energy's is great, uh, just the discipline, man. And and you mentioned Charles Bassey. That was the guy I thought they were going to turn to, uh, to get, to try to fill in the backup center position right away, just because Doc Rivers talked back in November when Bassey had a couple fill-in stints about his communication and how much he liked that and his basketball IQ and, all, and just how solid and steady he was in knowing wh- where to be and, and what the rotation should be. But he went with Paul Reed. Um, I don't know. Do you think tomorrow night against a Cleveland team that's top five in the East, do you think he goes back to Paul Reed? Or is this like, hey, it's the Thunder. Let's let's roll the dice and see. Let's throw a wild card into, into the mix. Like, that. that's what we can do tonight.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's tough to kind of predict that because... What you were saying about Doc was very true. You could see him kind of daydreaming about Paul Millsap in that moment, I felt <laughs> like. So uh-huh. it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go. Like I could totally see the argument that, that Paul did have some good moments tonight, some really good moments, especially defensively. Uh, But is he going to kind of look to Charles and give him an opportunity to, tomorrow to kind of have like his... Uh, audition to to the backup center spot because that's something I could see him doing. Um, that's going to be interesting to see, but I hope he sticks with Paul because I think Paul could really be good alongside James Harden. Um, the issue with Paul and and one of the main reasons he hasn't gotten minutes there's a few minutes or a few reasons, but one of the biggest ones was you couldn't play him next to Ben because in the G League he's a great three point shooter, but in the NBA it, it just hasn't translated, and now. Things have changed. You have guards that are willing to shoot. Um, and, and you're kind of looking for pick and role play from, from your bigs. So that should be the area that they're trying to grow both of their young centers in. And I hope they do. I hope they stick with Paul. I hope they stick with Charles Bassey. I know it makes sense to kind of pursue a veteran center through a buyout. Uh, but I hope they begin to grow these guys. Because if they do, if they get a long-term answer behind Joel Embiid, I think it would be really beneficial. Uh, but it's gonna be interesting to see. I, I see an argument for, for playing Charles tomorrow. I see an argument for playing B ball Paul. So I'm I'm definitely gonna be interested to see what happens. What do you what do you think is gonna happen?
0: I, I think tomorrow night they'll probably go to Bassey because Cleveland has that huge front court. They they start very true, yeah. Jared Allen, Mobley, they have Kevin Love, Market and so the Thunder are very much an undersized team. So maybe this was just the perfect matchup to, to see what you had in ball. And throw them out there, um, whereas Cleveland is kind of the polar opposite. They got a lot of big guys in the front court that are, you know, skilled. And uh, Bassing might be a better option tomorrow. Um, and maybe that's just what Doc Rivers have in mind. Like, hey, I'll, I'll, we have a back-to-back. I'll, I'll get to see both guys, and this is a better matchup for Paul, and that's the better matchup for Charles. So, I, I guess we'll see tomorrow night. Um, I don't think Paul. D- he, he was very inconsistent. So he didn't, he didn't say stake his claim and say, this should be my job. And he also didn't, you know, blow it because he did some, a, a good number of positive things on the court as well. So yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll give both guys a chance and it might be a matchup dependent thing, but uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see going forward starting tomorrow night uh, against the Cavs. Um, the the only other thing I wanted to mention was Matisse had three steals. The, the two back to back to kind of start the third quarter and really break that game open and get it up into double figures, just just showed why Daryl wanted to uh, keep him out of the, the the trade and the reports are that they they added extra draft capital because they were so unwilling to to include Matisse and that's something Brooklyn wanted. Um, we're, uh, I guess we'll talk about this later. So. We're, we're going to talk about <laughs> I, yeah everything about the trade and let's let's just end end this portion of it here and we'll we'll dive into Matisse and uh, everyone that could or could not have been included in the trade when we, we flush it out. So 100 to 87 win for the Sixers against Oklahoma City. Not the greatest win in the world, um, but a win's a win. Double digit win at home, you take it, move on, and they have Cat- Cleveland tomorrow night at home. on the back end of a back-to-back. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're talking all things James Harden.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
0: All right, Harrison. So we talked about your initial reaction to the start. So I mentioned the deal just to recap. Um, I, I can't believe there's people that are listening to this that don't know exactly what the deal was. But Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, two two first round picks in t- 2022, and then a protected one in 2027, and Harden and Paul Millsap coming back to Philadelphia. Do you where where do you stand as far as thinking it's fair value? I was actually surprised that so many. Kind of national talking head types were like that's a terrible overpay from the Sixers. I like it's James Harden, man. Like I don't know, I don't want to give my thoughts until I, I hear what you have to think. I don't want to influence. What, what was your uh, re- what, what was your reaction about the what they gave up? W- where do you think you land on the value spectrum with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they they fared pretty well. I'm kind of dead set in the middle. I, I think that. You know, on one hand, you could have waited until the summer and probably could have given up less. But at the same time, you you kind of have to pay this this premium uh, to, to get James Harden, you know, in a sixer uniform. And there's also been there's benefits to it. Like the Sixers now have James Harden for this postseason, which is that's a big plus. Um, and there's also like the, the tampering investigation, which may or may not happening and and doing a trade mid season kind of mitigates that a little bit. So that's also a good thing, but speaking in, in terms of strictly the deal, I, I thought they did relatively okay. It, it seems like Seth Curry was, was the middle ground and what else they were willing to include with, with Ben. I, I, it seems like they wanted to include Danny, but the the nets obviously, obviously wanted both Seth and Matisse. And it was really interesting. Uh, Jake Fisher reported that if, the Nets did get Matisse. They were looking to possibly flip him. So the entire intent of those discussions was just getting Matisse off the Sixers. Uh, but, but like you said, they added a draft pick, which hands down, if you can put in an extra draft pick or two and save yourself Seth Curry or Matisse Thibel, you absolutely do it. So from that perspective, I'm really glad they did because if you look at this roster now, uh, the defensive wings on this roster isn't that great? And that's with Matisse. If you take Matisse off, you're essentially relying on an aging Danny Green who hasn't really been able to stay healthy and Charlie Brown Jr. So that's not ideal. Uh, But giving up Seth Curry hurts. Uh, It's unfortunate, but you have to give up a lot to get a lot. Uh, So the Sixers will definitely miss him offensively. He, He was a part of so many offensive sets and he was just a floor spacer, and, and having someone like that, especially on an affordable contract, is, is really valuable. It's why Brooklyn wanted him, even though they, they kind of have a guy similar to him with, with Patty Mills, but now they have two of those guys, and, and the Sixers don't, so that's a big aspect of it. And, you know, losing Andre Drummond sucks a, a little bit just because he, he really kind of grew on me over time, and, and it seems like the same can kind of be echoed among Sixers fans. And, and we're talking about a backup big on a vet minimum. That's how starved we are for quality <laughs> bigs behind Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, we lived but, through the
0: Greg Monroe playoff era. So any, any goes, competent backup play. Us, yes. yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but um, I mean, it, it's, it's a vet minimum guy that you're giving up for James Harden. So you can live with that. So, the, the the biggest part of the deal that things is including Seth, um, but you're essentially replacing Seth and and your backup big with with James Harden, and the rest of this team is is really good. You still have Tobias Harris, who has played a lot better in the, in the past few weeks and, and months. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has been one of the best storylines, if not the best storylines, on the Sixers team, and now you're throwing in James Harden, who I think really complements him well. Um, so. Ultimately, I think the Sixers fared well. Yes, they could have waited until the summer and probably gone for a little bit cheaper. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sure if, if, if Daryl Morey was not in an office um, or, or someone else was negotiating these things, I'm sure they would have given up a lot more. So ultimately, they, they fared well. They got James Harden. That's what matters. And Paul Millsap is is there I I don't have much expectation for him I he's a stretch big so maybe he can come out there and occasionally hit a three but they got their guy and ultimately that's what matters
0: yeah it's as I was kind of starting to say earlier it's James Harden who is just a few years removed from being an MVP still averaging 22 8 and 10 this year despite battling a hamstring injury and kind of not wanting to be there and his play looked accordingly so he's still he's not in the smack dead center of his prime but he's you know at the tail end of his prime he's still got a lot of good basketball left in him and he's he brings exactly what you needed you needed a guy who can create in isolation who can pass and set up for others Like Joel Embiid's going to be in heaven getting these post-entry passes from James Harden and the pocket passes down the lane. He's never had a passer of that caliber in the half court to set him up. Ben Simmons was a good passer, but in transition, um, not so much in the half court because people would just leave him like leave six feet of space, even pre-COVID, between him and them and Ben and the passing lanes would just shut down in the half court. Um, There would be times Ben would get downhill, and that would open things up for guys around the arc. um, But it wouldn't open up things for Joel, because he was already down in in the painted area, and Ben was just clogging that area up. So it's going to make Joel's life a lot easier. It's going to make everyone else's life a lot easier, because everyone can slot down in their roles. Like Moss can go back to being a a three-point flamethrower, and hopefully actually, have a little kerosene left in the tank and hit some of the shots now. He doesn't have to be the emergency backup point guard. Um, Tyrese can not have everything on his shoulders as far as being the only point guard on the roster. Um, He can still be that. And I think that he should be definitely leading the second unit after he gets the early hook uh, starting alongside Harden. And so he'll get plenty of opportunity to have the ball in his hands, but it takes some of the pressure off him in only his second season. And then everyone else will just, the opportunities will come. Harden's one of the best lob throwers in the league. So any like Bassey or Paul Reed, whoever can throw down those lobs like Thibault out of the dunker spots, he's going to get some lobs. Like that's it, Harden, I don't think people appreciate the inadequacy of the the point guard position for the Sixers the last half decade or so, and James Harden is one of the best in the league. <laughs> it's it's going to be like night and day. It's it's going to be a total culture shock for people watching this team now. Um, so yeah, you had to give up some good players. You you gave up Ben, but he wasn't playing another game in Philadelphia, so you you had to get rid of him. Seth is a really good player, but. A lot of the stuff he was going to do was is going to overlap with what Harden does. Like his his two man actions, you're going to be running that stuff with Harden, and so Seth takes some incremental value away from what Seth brings to the table. Um, yeah, would you like Seth spotting up off off Harden isolations and drives and everything else? Yeah, sure, of course. But you have to give up something to get a player of Harden's caliber. And then Drummond, yeah, he's probably the best backup big of the Embiid era, but at the end of the day, he was a vet, got a vet min contract that you brought in. He's been here half a year. And I had my reservations about whether he could be useful in the playoffs, like the same things that made Dwight Howard ineffective in last postseason. Like remember last regular season, Dwight was also having a good year. And we we're saying, Oh, what a great backup, big addition. And then the playoffs come around and people know how to dissect a guy like that, that can't switch and isn't, A mobile enough big man and doesn't stretch the floor offensively. You you can, you can kind of break those guys down in a postseason setting. So it's going to hurt to lose those guys, but it's James Harden. Like you had to give up things. Like you didn't give up Tyrese Maxey. You didn't give up even Matisse Thybul. Like you kept your young core so that if things do go south with Harden down the road in two or three years and his conditioning isn't good so he might not age well and the contract will be terrible but you'll still have these young guys who can ready to step up and be the next kind of generation of this team so it 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 was all just really frustrating to me that anyone would even think this wasn't a good deal um i i kind of view it as a win-win i mean would would you classify it similarly
1: yeah i mean Considering the Nets had their hand forced with, with this situation, essentially, James eventually approached them and was like, I want to be in Philly. They, they made out relatively well. Uh, ben is a skilled player. He is a flawed player, and he probably still has the flaws that plagued him in Philadelphia. Uh, but Brooklyn is arguably one of the best landing spots for him. Uh, a big issue with Ben here was the Sixers had to rely on him for scoring somewhat scoring 15 or or 20 points a game or whatever and he just wasn't able to do that especially in the postseason now you got two elite scores well I I guess like one and a half because Kyrie's gonna be around halftime but (laughs) but you got two guys there next to Ben um so I guess they're going to try and mold him into a super Draymond role, which a, a lot of people have, have been comparing Ben to in the past. And we'll see how that happens. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like when he does return, which I assume will be at some point this season. Uh, but, but getting Ben, I, I think, is a, is a pretty big win. Seth is a great addition. Uh, it's always great to add shooting. Um, And they legitimately needed size. So Andre Drummond, I think, will help them to a certain degree. Uh, But I also think what what you said about how will he look in some postseason matchups, I think that's a really relevant point. Uh, Because we've seen firsthand this season that he's gotten torched by some mobile bigs, by some stretch bigs. Um, So if you're matching up against that in the postseason, I'm not really sure how playable he is. Uh but yeah, yeah, like the media being like, oh, the Sixers got like posed in this deal, they completely lost. I don't get it. And the, the main counterpoint to that is like Harden is getting older, he's not gonna get any better. But the way that people are talking about this guy is, is just kind of dumbfounding to me. Like this is a skilled player. We we've talked about the stats. And I think his game is going to age relatively well. He's not someone that's relying on crazy athleticism. Um, he's someone that's always been crafty, plays the game at his own pace, kind of plays an old man's game is what some people call it. So I think his game is going to is going to hold up for at least a few more years. And even if you've got James Harden averaging 22, 10 and 8, that is a damn good player. So I'm, I'm happy with with the trade the Sixers made, Daryl was right to, to wait and, and be patient. Um, I, I think that the media, I don't know why they're taking that angle, but so be it. All Philly fans are, are relatively happy. I know I'm happy and I'm sure you're happy.
0: Yeah. I think there was a small segment of the fan base that just didn't want Harden because they, they kind of viewed as – leaving forcing his way out of houston and now forcing his way out of brooklyn as as being like a malcontent um but from from my perspective looking at the situation he was in houston for eight years like close to a decade and it's only when they completely tore things down and there was like nothing there for for him to work with that he really wanted to leave um they traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. And we've seen Russell Westbrook now blow up the Lakers. So Harden was just ahead of the curve in in wanting to get away from the Russell Westbrook experience. Um, and then in Brooklyn, it had to be frustrating for him to see Kyrie make the choice he made and not be available to play for the first half of the season. And now only on the road. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I get why he would be frustrated in those situations. Um, so, I think he wanted to come here and hopefully the team will continue to perform well. And as long as Joel stays healthy, they will because Joel himself is capable of carrying this team as we saw for the first 50 games this year. So Joel's healthy. There's no reason that it won't be a good basketball situation for, for Harden and the Sixers are ready, willing, able to give him the money. So he'll be in a good financials, situation for himself so i don't see what you have to be discontented about um so just embrace a guy that's really good at basketball i think that even those people that weren't on board once he get takes the floor and starts putting up you know 25 and 12 on a given night that i think their tunes gonna change pretty quickly but yeah it's it's a huge win it you got two top 12 players in the league. Right now on the theme, your your contender status just because of that. And and you were able to keep your young your young guys like Maxi and Matisse in, in town to make sure that the future wasn't stripped bare by, by having this deal take place. So I don't know, huge win. I don't and, and I don't think and I think he did it without Brooklyn getting this raw deal. I think it was a win for Brooklyn. You said their hands were tied with Harden, our hands were tied with Ben. So you swapped malcontents in their own situation and they can benefit both sides. So
1: yeah, yeah. i I mean you said it all. And I I'm extremely excited to see Harden play on this team. And like you said, just having two elite talented guys wherever you rank them, Joel is is a top three player this year. I I think that's pretty safe to say. And and Harden is top fifteen, I think, at worst. So Just having those two guys around, it it raises your ceiling so much on where this team can go. And that's not even mentioning the buyout market. And now the Sixers are going to be a buyout destination. They are arguably one of the best teams in the East, or the best team in the East. So all of a sudden, that that raises some possibilities. And I think that they have their eyes set on someone just due to the fact that they did a three-for-two deal Ah, uh, they didn't take Embry back, which the Nets later waived him uh, to complete the deal. So it seems like they have a, a plan with that roster spot. So whatever that is, that's going to be exciting to see to to round out this roster. But you got Harden and Joel for hopefully the foreseeable future. Plus, plus Maxi and Thibault too. So the Sixers are in a really good spot.
0: Yeah, you're you're right. We sh- we should mention the the buyout market and that. The championship odds for the Sixers were basically cut in half as soon as the, which is a good thing for those that aren't overly familiar with odds that they, um, so everyone obviously expects them to be in a much better position to contend for a title guys that are in the bio market will, you would think agree with that assessment. And if you're a a ring chasing vet who wants, who wants to go somewhere with the best chance to win. The Sixers' situation looks a lot better than it did a couple of days ago, so I think that can only help them. And I think a backup center is the obvious place that they'll be pursuing someone in the buyout market. Uh, another guard is probably uh would be welcome, so that you didn't have to hard stagger Maxi and Harden for the full 48 minutes. If you had another veteran backup point guard that you could throw out there for you know, six to eight minutes a game that, that probably won't be the worst thing in the world. Um I, I think those are the, the obvious two needs and that's where they'll look to address in, in the buyout market. And hopefully they they're viewed more favorably as a destination now that you have Embiid and you have Harden and I think it's the Nets and the Bucks maybe have the the odds that are comparable to the Sixers as far as uh in the Eastern Conference right now. And there, there's a lot of other good teams, like Miami's on top right now as far as the record. But everything's very close. But uh, I think players are going to look at the, the star the star caliber and the fact that we have two superstars now. And that that kind of makes all the difference in, in a lot of people's minds. And I think people will act accordingly. Um, so yeah, you mentioned we, we want to everyone's excited to see Harden out on the court. He's definitely not making his Sixers debut this weekend. He won't be playing against Cleveland. Um, he's meeting with the performance coaches and the staff this weekend to kind of assess. He, is, he has the hamstring injury. He has a hand strain as well. Um, but they, they've left the door open for him to make his debut next week. Do you think next week he'll be making his debate, if you had to speculate? Or do you think they're going to wait until after the All-Star break and give him a... a another week and a half to kind of rest up.
1: It's tough. Cause I can see the argument for both sides. Like the Sixers are now on a time crunch. you just added in a huge piece. That's going to completely change your offense and everything. And they only have like 20, 25 games left. I don't know the exact number, but that's not much time. So you want to get him on the court as much as possible. But on the other hand, you want to make sure he's good to go, especially with that hamstring issue. We've seen firsthand how, that can limit players uh, with, with Danny Green specifically um, and, and just kind of be a prolonged issue if you don't manage it correctly. So ultimately if I had to guess, I think they lean towards the side of caution and just kind of hold him out for the the remaining games until the all-star break. There's only um, two more games after the the Cleveland game, which as of this recording is tomorrow. So, Does two games really make that much difference for developing chemistry and and getting players, you know, lined up with with where this team is heading? I don't really know. Uh, But if I had to take a guess, I think they they lean uh, towards the side of caution.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the smart move. Um, You need Harden at 100% in the postseason. That's got to be the number one priority. And yeah, it is important for him to develop tem- chemistry with Embiid and the rest of the team, but you'll have a good two months to do that before the postseason. And we saw last year when Harden was hampered by a hamstring injury. It was the, it was actually the other hamstring that was bothering him last, last season, but Brooklyn wasn't firing in all cylinders because Harden wasn't playing quite like himself. Cause he had that, he had that issue bothering him and they still almost upset or not upset, but they still almost beat Milwaukee. And they might have, if Kevin Durant's feet were two inches shorter (laughs) Um, and then they could be talking about, you know, Brooklyn having won the title last year, but alternatively, if, if Harden hadn't tried to play through things quite as much as he did last year, and he was just a little bit healthier in the postseason as a result, that could have made the difference as well. So you got to weigh that, More heavily than, yeah, I get that it's, you have Boston and I believe Milwaukee next week, which those are two big rivals slash Eastern conference contenders. You'd love to have your roster at full strength going up against them and be able to debut Harden and and I'm sure it would be a, a big to do, but the fact that the all-star breaks coming up and you get the extra week or so of rest, I think that that could make all the difference in the world and, and really get him to a hundred percent going into the, the home stretch of the season here. That, that, that's gotta be the priority in my mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, those are going to be two entertaining games regardless. Like you said, it's the Celtics and Sixers Celtics That's self-explanatory Seeing what the Sixers team will look like against Milwaukee, who they very well might match up with at some point in the postseason, that's entertaining. But yeah, you need Harden at full strength. Last last season with the Nets, he was not very mobile at all, just because it looked like every time he ran up and down the court, he was in pain. And you don't want a repeat of that. And it could even lead to even worse issues. So. You want to make sure he's right. Even though I'm anxious, I, I want to see this guy on the court. You, you got to be cautious and make sure he's a hundred percent ready to go. Um, and, and that's what matters most is making sure Joel and, and Tyrese and, and Harden, all those guys are, are well-rested and, and set for the postseason.
0: I agree. Um, all right, Harrison. So we'll leave with this. Is this the most excited that you've been as a Sixers fan? Like just just with the, the hope of tomorrow, obviously, like if they're in the playoffs, it's a game seven. You're probably more excited in the moment. But just looking ahead and your expectations for the team, would you say this is the most excited you've been?
1: It's definitely the most excited I've been in, in a few years. And, and the last time that I kind of felt this excitement was when they had that loaded roster with with J.J., Tobias and Jimmy. And it feels very similar to that. And, and James Harden, even now. I think he's better than any of those three were. So you're you're adding arguably the most talented guy Joel has ever played with in a season where Joel has been absolutely incredible and is a legitimate MVP candidate again, even more so than last season maybe. So it's hard not to be excited. And then you also got side storylines. Matisse might be an all-defensive caliber player again. Tyrese is in the conversation for most improved. He's been absolutely awesome this season that there's so much to really eyeball and and be excited about. So I'm ecstatic. I'm going to be even more excited if they can kind of find some, some good players in the buyout market. The buyout market doesn't really move the needle too much. Best case scenario, you get kind of a Reggie Jackson for the Clippers type of player. Uh, But, if they can get someone like Gary Harris or, or like a backup big Robin Lopez, Derek favors, one of those guys, I think uh, I feel really good about this roster. So I, I can't wait to see James Harden play with Tyrese and Joel. I'm extremely excited. And I think that fans have a lot to look forward to.
0: Well said. Yeah. I know. I know fans are are pumped. There's billboards in Philadelphia welcoming the beard um, every a lot of local businesses were sending out stuff on social media, welcoming them to the town. Um, so the whole city of Philadelphia is is ecstatic about the move and the new uh, Embiid Harden era that's been ushered in. Uh, March tenth, Sixers welcome the Nets to Philadelphia. Uh, last question: Do you th- do you think Ben Simmons is going to be on the court that night?
1: There's there's no way. I I just think like you know, there's the factor that he didn't want to step foot on a Sixers court again. Right. Yeah. But I also think like the nets were talking about getting him like set in Brooklyn, like with a house and, and, you know, there's obviously uh, the conditioning side of it. He's going to need a few weeks to ramp up that. So whether it's that or some other excuse, I would be shocked. Um, and, and I don't know if you saw ticket prices for that game, but ticket prices are through the roof. So, People are, are heavily anticipating that game and whether or not Ben's playing, it's going to be a fun game because whatever way you spin it, like Ben returns to Philly or it's Harden versus his old team. Like that's an exciting matchup. So yep. I would be shocked if he did, but Hey, I will gladly be proven wrong and I will enjoy the hell out of that matchup. If Ben, Ben and James are both playing.
0: If, yeah, if Ben's and, and Kyrie would obviously be available, this would be a road game. Um, but yeah. I, I can't imagine if Ben's actually playing that night the the level of vitriol that would be coming from the fans in attendance. I don't. It would be unmatched. I I don't think we've ever seen something like that. Um, I, I, every part of me believes his back's going to act up earlier that day, and he's <laughs> he's going to be a DNP. Um, I, he he. The whole reason he sat out and cost himself 20 million dollars was because he didn't want to play in in front of these fans so uh, how would that change in a month where he'd suddenly be ready to do that in an environment where they would have every reason to be in full force against him because he would actually be on the other team like if he was on the sixers and suited up if he had a steal and a dunk like people would probably cheer him and it would probably get over pretty quickly like if, if if he didn't shoot or something or he missed two free throws, I'm sure people would have booed or whatever. But it wouldn't have been an all-out assault on him. Whereas if he's in a Brooklyn uniform, it absolutely will be. Like so, yeah, I, I cannot imagine that he plays in that game. So, um, but yeah, maybe maybe Durant will be healthy by that point, and it would be Durant and Kyrie against uh, Joel and Harden. That'd be there's very few matchups in the league that would be that fun to watch. So it'll, it'll still be a good game no matter what.
1: Absolutely, and like I, I was able to be at, at the first game Jimmy Butler returned to, and that was a toxic environment. But I would imagine that Ben returning, whenever that is, whether it's it's March 10th or, or later on, I imagine it's going to be a lot worse and a lot more toxic. Um, so hopefully, no one does anything too extreme. Like if you want to do that's cool, but hopefully it's it's nothing really past that. Um, it's, it's a date definitely circled on my calendar for sure. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes. And I believe every Sixers fan is as well. In addition to whenever the first James Harden game will take place, whether that is next week or after the all-star break, but people want to see Harden out on the floor in a Sixers uniform. And yeah, that, that March 10th date is uh Permanent marker, double double circled and underlined. I think people are very much looking forward to seeing that one. But more importantly, the Sixers are set up much better for the postseason after this trade, and they they can probably consider themselves true contenders now. Whereas I, I don't think that was the case earlier in the week. So, well done, Daryl Morey. Some people doubted you. People were ready to throw in the towel and trade Simmons for for whatever they could get for him. Um, earlier and you stuck to your guns, Daryl. You did it. You got, you got your star. So kudos, um, Harrison, uh, thanks for jumping on the pod and, and talking about all the, all the good tidings we had in Sixers basketball this week. Uh, where can people find you on uh
1: social media and on the internet? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to talk about something good happening to the Sixers because it was <laughs> yep. like eight months of just, Ben Simmons news that wasn't news. So talking about this has been great. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Harrison underscore grim. Uh, that's what two M's just like the fairy tales. Uh, I do a bunch of Sixer stuff, film uh, bad takes on occasion, uh, just stuff like that. So yeah, you can find me there and all my writing at Liberty ballers, of course.
0: Yep. You're definitely one of the better uh, film clippers that we have on, on staff. And Out there covering the Sixers, so yeah, people definitely should give you a follow. Um, And and you're you're a top sleuth of (laughs) you find out those rumors. Harrison is in in Twitter Spaces like nobody else, finding out and like reading between the lines and, and combing the the darkest corners of internet conversations to find like hints that are dropped. He's he's the one that noticed that Jaden Springer changed his number and his uh, his username on Twitter and uh, yeah, so Harrison's a, a definitely recommend the follow. Um, and yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me this week. I'm, I I'm also glad that we had really positive news to talk about for a change. There's been far too many weeks where news were not positive. Uh, so yeah, happy to do it and Hope everyone out there listening is as excited as we are. And I don't know next week if we'll have a James Harden Sixers game to be able to talk about, or it might be the following week. But uh, yeah, it's coming, guys and and gals. So so get excited. And uh, I'll talk to you next week.